We got a breaking trade here in the NBA between the Clippers and the Wizards. We'll break it all down for you. And then we've got five of the most interesting free agents not named LeBron or Paul George getting ready to hit the market on Friday. And Magic Johnson won't stop talking about Magic Johnson because he'll get fined if he talks about anyone else. It is the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. As always, I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, editor of LockedOnPelicans.com and host of Locked On Pelicans. And I am John Corrales, co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, co-founder of RedsArmy.com, Boston.com contributor, and you can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. So, John, this just kind of broke right before we sat down to record this, and we got a trade, which is a fairly simple one, basically between the Clippers and Wizards, where Austin Rivers heading to the D.C. area, and you've got Marcin Gortat coming out to the Los Angeles Clippers as, by the way, they're really looking to assemble like a team of John Wick villains from Eastern Europe there. (laughs) That makes perfect sense for the Clippers. Uh, this is to me a, a deal that involves two guys that had basically worn out their welcomes uh, in their respective teams. Marcin Gortat famously was touting how great the Wizards were without John Wall, basically. And when Wall went down, oh, this team is are passing the ball and all of that stuff. And then we know that the Clippers seems like there was a lot of. Uh, a lot of people who didn't like the fact the coach's son was getting so much so much time and, and the, his attitude. So once Doc Rivers got uh, got relieved of his front office duties, this almost felt inevitable. And Gortat said recently that he knows he's gone. So this is a, a classic change of scenery trade that saves Washington a couple of bucks. Yeah, you know, it, it's worth mentioning. Unfortunately, Doc did not trade his son as he's not pulling the strings there in Clipperland anymore. And I actually like this trade a little bit more for Washington. They save some money against the tax. You get kind of a third guard. Yeah, it's easy to joke about Austin Rivers, and we've done it for years here in New Orleans. But he's become a respectable rotation player. Maybe not a guy you want to start, but he he's reasonable from the three-point line. So it's not horrible to kind of get those guys on your roster. But now this leads into the first guy we want to talk about, because does this lead to something bigger planned for Washington, a gaping hole at the center position right now? And that's DeMarcus Cousins, because all of a sudden the rumors are immediately flying of maybe a sign and trade between New Orleans and Washington for Cousins, maybe with Otto Porter being sent back to the Big Easy here. Does that make sense? Uh well, that's an interesting that's an interesting scenario. So it would be Cousins going. Well, Cousins going to Washington is interesting in that it'd be kind of weird to see how he fits with those guys. But the big question is when's he getting? When's he going back? When's he getting back on the floor? 
So that's why we wanted to bring him up, and it's not just because I'm being kind of Homer-ish here, is we want to look in this episode, here's the kind of theme of intriguing free agents. Not the best guys, not the guys who are going to get the most money, but we've got five names for you that are kind of just weird fits out there for whatever reason, whether it's the market, whether they're kind of test cases for different things. And the first one has to be with DeMarcus Cousins because a big man suffering this kind of injury is absolutely terrifying overall and has to give many, many teams, including the Pelicans, a lot of pause, right? When you look at I'm, him, it's, it's, that's the first thing you have to say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've all heard it before. You know, a big man that suffers an Achilles tear, uh, he needs that explosive ability. The The general feeling is that he will lose some percentage of that and just never get it back. And you don't know exactly what kind of player he's going to be when he does get back. And that's what makes this whole sign and trade thing a little intriguing because I feel like Washington is a little bit desperate and they they need to start making a splash uh, I'm I'm sitting here looking at this offseason wondering if they're going to make an even bigger bigger uh, move to to shake things up. And I'm talking about either John Wall or Bradley Beal. I, I doubt it, but you almost have to start thinking about it the way Washington has been very disappointing over the past few years. I bring all that up because they want somebody that's going to help them now. And yes, they are looking for a big guy, but is Cousins going to be that guy? Or are they willing to wait? For him to get back and make that gamble like we will float along until he gets back and then, wow, we're going to take off because they really believe in him. I don't know if they're willing to wait that long for a big man. Also, do you want to spend the kind of money that Cousins is going to be looking for on that kind of, uh, you know, he's a court spacer, but he's still kind of a bigger, bulkier center that can play down low when he feels like it and isn't just kind of chilling out on the three-point line. And we've seen that's not necessarily the type of guy you want to go out and spend a lot of money on. So there's two things working against Cousins here, and that's kind of the position. And we see teams wanting to go small and look at what New Orleans did when they played small after his injury, making the playoffs, getting a sweep in the first round looking like a very very good team and just playing overall better basketball and then combined with the injury it makes this really intriguing because if you're cousins you want four or five years five if you can squeeze the pelicans for it because coming back from this injury you just want some more financial security than you would have had in a two-year deal if he takes something that's a little bit more team friendly even if it's a max contract over that time period well if you don't come back you're not getting that kind of money later on so you may as well try and get it right now yeah, I, I I would say obviously for Cousins he wants as much money as he can get he can get for as long as he can get it. Um, the I don't know if if that's really going to be Washington. It it is an intriguing scenario for them. Uh, I, I just feel like it, they would probably try to go in a, a different direction. I'm curious to see if one of these teams with some cap space with a little bit more time on their hands that might say, all right, we're we're willing to wait the year or so. Uh, we'll give you four years to join our team, but the you know it'll be less money. What we're getting from you is the long term, and you'll be good when we're ready to be good. And what you get is the the financial security and we let you just rehab because it's not it's not a big uh it's not a big push for you to sign right now. So to me the obvious team that 
fits that mold is Dallas. And they have they have a little bit of money to spend. They can they can offer him, let's say they offer him twenty million instead of, you know, or maybe a little bit less to say, we're gonna take the discount because of the injury, but we'll give it we'll give you long term four years, like say eighty million dollars. You get that eighty million dollars, you get that security, and when Doncic and Dennis Smith and the rest of these guys are ready to to take over, you're healthy and you're ready to go. Yeah, Dallas can potentially carve out somewhere in the region of 23 to 25 million, maybe a little bit more, depending if they make some other moves and what happens there. So they're an intriguing team for Cousins. But again, when you look at Cousins with them, does it make a lot of sense or does it make more uh, sense for Dallas, who is the main rival for DeMarcus Cousins? I think that's safe to say, uh, at least early on in free agency to maybe throw some more money at a guy like Clint Capella. Cause if they come out and try and max him out nearly on opening night of free agency, that puts the Rockets in a bind. So you can potentially get a very, very good player that fits on most teams. I think you and I both really love Capella. And then it kind of screws over a division in Western conference rival to a degree, assuming they aren't going to match or are going to match. I guess it depends. So it's kind of intriguing, but DeMarcus cousins who was in line for the Supermax from Sacramento before they traded him to New Orleans and was in line for at least a five-year max from New Orleans before this injury happened is all of a sudden trying to use any little bit of leverage he can in negotiations with the Pels because he's worried about what's going to happen and that includes unfollowing them on Instagram and then making <laughs> posts about it which is something I covered over at Locked on Pelicans so it's really intriguing because he should have a market but we look at this free agency and this is going to lead into the next bit here in a moment there's just doesn't feel like as much money to spend as there have been in years past. And there's not, but also it just feels kind of like a tepid market. Yeah. There's just not a lot of interest in some of these guys. Uh, I think a lot of these teams might be saving some of this cap space too, just because you have it now doesn't mean you have to spend it now. So Philly is obviously looking, trying to uh, add a big, uh, big name player. There'll be players uh, Dallas is looking to, to potentially add a player, but these other teams like Atlanta, Chicago, Indy, they've got cap space. They, they could be looking to add something, but maybe not as much as, you know, they're, they're not looking to spend all of that money this summer. They're, they're going to be, there's going to be more money to spend next, next year. They're going to be guys that structure their deals to become free agents next year. And some of these teams might pace themselves. Uh, going back to cousins. I, I really don't, I really don't know, uh, if, if a sign and trade is the best way to go for new Orleans. I feel like they're either going to just sign them or, I think he's either, or some team's going to swoop in and, and sign him away. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with you. It's either I think they're going to come in and try and give him, say, a two plus one. Maybe it's a team option on the end of that, but I don't know why he would accept a team option or something. Or maybe the third year's heavily incentive based, which would make a lot of sense coming back from this injury, too. He gets that extra year, and then if he does play well these two years, he's safe in the third year. And it's kind of a middle ground between getting that max and signing a two year deal. I still think he'll get a lot of money. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's just not the, the full blown deal he has. And it's 
right. New Orleans at least shouldn't want to trade him for other pieces. They are going to be near the luxury tax next year. And yes, the old owner, Tom Benson, has passed and his wife, Gail, now has taken over. And she did convince Tom to buy the team to keep it here in New Orleans. So she loves it. She's willing to spend money. They're the richest people in Louisiana. I don't think that's a huge issue. But you still don't want to spend in the luxury tax if you're not going to be competing. So why would you do a signing trade for parts and pieces that aren't going to make you a significantly better team and force you at least to overpay for that? That's kind of the situation Washington is in now. It's kind of the situation Portland's in right now. And New Orleans is very aware that they played incredibly well after the DeMarcus Cousins injury. And I've heard rumors of in exit interviews, players saying, you know, it's okay if DeMarcus Cousins doesn't resign. They're not saying they don't like him. They're not saying he's a locker room problem or anything like that. It's just they think they can live and survive and be a good team next year if he's not back. And maybe that gives New Orleans some leverage. So I think if he gets a massive deal thrown at him, the Pelicans are going to let him walk. Here's here's one suggestion. I'm not even 100% sure a deal can be structured this way, but I don't see why it couldn't be. He gets the five-year deal from New Orleans. Um, it's a little bit of, a, a little bit of discount because they say, we're not 100% sure how you're going to come back, but we'll give you a five-year, whatever that, it'll be in excess of $100 million, somewhere around that line. So he he knows he's got money. However, the third year is no option necessarily, not a player option, not a team option, but let's pretend it's a $20 million average annual value. You say $5 million of that is guaranteed. The other $15 million is basically easily achieved incentives if you're healthy. Games played, minutes played, something like that. If you're healthy, you'll hit those incentives. It's like a guaranteed year. If you're not healthy, we you get that $5 million. It's It's not necessarily a team option where we cut you it's not your option where you we give you all that money we give you a portion of it guaranteed it's like a compromise the rest is easily achievable if you're healthy and then if you're healthy in year three you might as well get year four and year five and that doesn't matter yeah, you know, I, th- there's ways to do it where you can basically do it where it's only partially guaranteed for like a third of the contract or something like that. And I think that's a safe way to go about it, too. So there's ways they can kind of make this work where both parties are happy. And, you know, with less than like five days now till really everything starts, we're certainly going to find out. So if you want to know more about DeMarcus Cousins, I'm obviously going to be talking about him a ton on Locked on Pelicans. And while we're talking about podcasts, make sure you guys subscribe to Locked on NBA five days a week, Monday through Friday, bringing you everything you need to know around the association. The moratorium period is when rumors start flying. You need to be caught up on everything that's going on. So make sure you do that by subscribing to Locked on NBA. So, John, we talked about the weird case that's going to be DeMarcus Cousins and maybe teams hesitant to spend or they got to kind of figure out the right deal. But there's two guys out there that kind of represent a larger class of players that are going to be kind of in a weird, similar boat, too. And that's Dante Exum and Jabari Parker, both restricted free agents. How do we see this going for both of these guys? Because, again, they seem like they should get paid, but are they? Parker is super, super interesting because the... The the Bucks don't have a ton of money to spend. They're pretty much locked in to their roster. Parker is the only guy that is a, a question mark, and he can be an important player. And the question now is, under a new system, under a new coach, can he be the type of player that 
is really, really productive for them. I mean, obviously, you've got you you're building a team around Antetokounmpo, but can he be the type of guy that under a new regime fits next to him, or is he going to be the guy that just can't get his shooting down? Uh, is always getting kind of in the way, is clogging the way for Antetokounmpo, and and it's it's a really super interesting scenario for me because I would. I, obviously, you you give him the qualifying offer. You have the opportunity to match contracts, and I think you just kind of let it play out. I don't think he's going to get a ton of money somewhere, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody makes him a an offer. I don't know, somewhere around fifteen million dollars. I mean, I think think he can be he can be worth fifteen million dollars to a team like Atlanta or Chicago or a, a team that could use a, a wing player that uh, if if he can make those adjustments to his game and they see that he can grow, uh, would I think he can get something like that. And I, I just don't know if, if Milwaukee's in a position to match that or if they're in a position to say we have to match something like that because you need players around Antetokounmpo and you just got to hope that he fills, he, he can kind of find his fit. Yeah, you know, he's a weird case because this is a guy who can score. And, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, not this past season, the year before, he averaged 20 points per game along with six rebounds. It's pretty good. But you don't kind of want to overpay these inefficient scores that then end up hurting you more on offense, even though they put up some good numbers. And this is why I think we're not going to see him get near a max at all. So if you're, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, as you as any team with a restricted free agent should, you kind of let the offers come to you unless you think you can just sign them right off the bat to something that's kind of below market value for them. So he's an intriguing case because our team's going to value just keeping assets right now, or are these overpays and things? Things like that starting to scare some teams because we've seen some contracts from, say, two years ago really starting to come back and bite teams a little bit. And they wish they didn't sign these kind of deals. So he's definitely one because, as you said, he's a useful player and he's a useful player even more so on the right team. He hasn't shown it yet, but he has all the talent. And do you now start to overpay guys based on potential? So he's going to be an intriguing one. The other guy, which I think is very intriguing, and this is a guy that I think should get paid and seems like he's going to be a very good player, and that's Dante Exum. So what's going to happen there? Dante Exum is – this is a terrible class, uh, a terrible year for restricted free agent guards. Exum is in this mix. Uh, I know that we're waiting to see what Marcus Smart does. Uh, Exum is a super interesting guy because he can be uh, a pretty effective combo guard. Uh, I don't think a team is going to look to him as their main point guard right now, but he can be really effective and he can be really effective in Utah and Utah has cap space to spend. They may, they may put out uh, the word to the rest of the league to say, Hey, we're going to match basically any reasonable offer for Exum. And if you're going to have, if you're going to pry him away, you gotta, you're gonna have to like really wow him, and you can basically, when you're the Jazz and you've got a little bit of cap space, you can see where your 18 million dollars or so that you have in cap space, you can see what that gets you while letting Exum kind of sit there as a restricted free agent. Uh, there, they have a cap hold on him that's about 15 million dollars, uh, so they don't have to worry that. That's kind of there. 
Uh, they have that money to spend regardless. So they can let him sit there and a team's going to have to basically come in with something north of $15 million to, to kind of screw up uh, Utah's free agency. Uh, they can do something like try to extend him at less than that so they can get rid of that cap hold and and get the actual number in there so they can free up a little bit more cap space. I think somewhere, I think somewhere in the 10 to $12 million range is about right for for Exum, I don't think a team's going to come in and swoop in and give give him more than what Utah's willing to match. So I can see Exum as a guy that lasts well into free agency and doesn't get rectified until mid to late July at well after everything is is said and done and he'll just have to sit and wait. Yeah, and that's what happens to kind of the second and third tier of free agents a lot. You've got to wait for the big dominoes to fall. And only then do they really start to get some traction. And a lot of times they get squeezed out of deals because money's been spent. And now no one really has it to spend on them. You know, if Austin Rivers is making $12.5 you have to figure Exum's in that range. It still maybe scares you a little bit to pay him more than that. You know, he only played 14 games this year. So there's a big kind of question mark after the injuries and everything that have happened. But that third guard, I mean, there is value to those Austin Rivers in the league. And maybe he should get more money, but because of the way there's so little team, so few teams with cap space out there, that he's not really going to get it. So he's an interesting case too. And both these guys are because restricted free agency, man. As much as it would be nice to be an NBA player and make all that million, being a restricted free agent absolutely sounds like it sucks. Uh, yeah, it does, especially in a market like this. A team can play hardball, and it depends on what uh what you think you're worth and it, really you are held captive to the market a team can sit there and and just let you twist in the wind if if they really want to things can get ugly in restricted free agency because players don't like what teams do and if the the jazz tell kind of let everybody know we're going to we're going to match whatever offer you give them when you make an offer to Dante Exum, let's say some team comes in and says, I will make a $15 million to Dante Exum. The Jazz can wait a couple of days before they actually match. And when that happens, your cap, it's the the NBA considers that, yep. yeah, that money is essentially spent until the, the other team matches or that team or you actually physically sign the guy. You, If you're in play for multiple free agents – and Exum or Parker are tied with other players, their teams are much more likely to go with other players, especially if, they be, if they're more available. And these guys that are questioned, you don't go for those guys, even if they want Exum, because they don't want to lose out on the other guys. They could Teams could miss out completely. So that's, that's a real risk for teams pursuing these restricted free agents. Yeah, and before we start talking about unrestricted free agents, to that point you were just saying, this was the first NBA draft in 15 years that did not have one veteran NBA player traded during it. It was all draft picks and already drafted guys during that. No one who's played an NBA minute, which means salaries attached to it, which shows you how scared teams are right now of either clogging up their books or adding even just a little bit of money. So it's certainly going to be 
something. So we're going to touch on it at the very end because there were some really funny comments coming out of Magic Johnson. But if you want to know a little bit more about that in the Lakers who figure to be big players in free agency, certainly not that they need any more promotion. They are LA after all. Make sure you listen to Locked on Lakers where they're going to be breaking it all down for you. And make sure for any NBA team that you follow, whether it's the Celtics, the Pelicans, the Spurs, what are they going to be doing there? The Cavs, all of those. There's a Locked on podcast for that. So just search Locked on whatever team to find it, know what's going on on the best level possible with these NBA franchises. So, John, we talked about unrestricted guys. They obviously are going to be in a little bit of a bind, but we've got two names on the unrestricted market they are going to be really intriguing, too. One of a position of need, one not of a position of need. I'll let you pick. Which one you want to go with first here? Uh, I want to talk about Isaiah Thomas. Let's do it. I like Let's, it. It's a weird one, right? Again, we're picking weird free agents that teams are going to be looking at and like weird decisions need to be made on this. Although, I don't know. Do you? It doesn't seem like this is a dude who was going to get a bag of money two years ago and has fallen so far that what, what's going to happen here? I, I, it's so hard to say. Um, having seen his best firsthand, at his best, uh, he, can, he can be tremendous offensively. We've all seen it. Uh, the problem is he he cost himself a ton of money when he played on that bad hip and made it worse. And that situation in Cleveland didn't help. And he, he played a little bit better in Los Angeles. But teams are still, I'm sure, afraid of what he can do. And the teams that have money. Now, he he could be a guy that signs a one-year deal to go somewhere on the mid-level exception a team can can try and say, hey, look, we'll give you $8 million to play for us. You come in, we'll see what you can do, and then if, if everything goes well and you're healthy and you perform, then we'll absolutely commit to you long-term, but we still need to see you do it because uh, otherwise we're not sure. Maybe it's a two-year deal. Maybe it's a second-year non-guaranteed. Maybe it's a team, op- something like that, but it sucks because I love Isaiah Thomas. I think he's awesome. I think he's a great teammate. Uh, he's got an attitude that's great. Uh, and I say that in like a chip on his shoulder, constantly pissed off at something uh, kind of way. Uh, some He can potentially be a very good player uh, in the right situation. Uh, obviously uh, a liability defensively, but... I feel like the best place for him is some team on on a mid-level deal that uh, at least gives him an opportunity to prove himself and make some money in the process. Yeah, he, you know, he's a weird fit. This is a dude who averaged almost 29 points. Uh, it was 28.9 for Boston. You know this very well, John. Two mm-hmm. years, last season, two years ago, whatever you want to call it. Then dropped to 32 uh, games played last year. Only averaged 15.2 points per game. And like you said, playing on that injured hip was such a bad idea right now. And, you know, he's kind of an efficient scorer at times, not always the most, but certainly you would think kind of a, a hyperactive scoring guard, despite the size limitation, despite the defensive limitations, is definitely worth eight and a half million dollars. But again, the guard market 
isn't exactly, you know, what you want to be in right now. And there's a number of players that can sign and get moved around. And it might just really, again, squeeze him out. This, to me, feels like a guy who's going to be waiting until almost the very end of free agency to kind of get signed. And then maybe most teams have spent their mid-level exceptions at that point. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if something weird happens. LeBron leaves and Isaiah goes back to Cleveland or something. Because they're going to need some star power. They're going to need some scoring. But somebody somewhere can use Isaiah Thomas. I just don't... it's not going to be max money for sure. No, uh, but uh, he, he, I'm sure he's going to go somewhere and I don't want to drag on about Isaiah, but the one problem I see with Isaiah is that he is absolutely guaranteed going to be playing for a contract and you got to be careful about putting him in situations where you're playing him with young players that you're trying to develop because while he will play a team concept, he will play good basketball uh, if he's completely healthy he's not going to he's not going to hurt other other players but a player on a contract that is in his situation that knows he he lost a ton of money that is now trying to make himself a lot of money he's he's much more likely to be like I need to score buckets and you at least I would have that question for him how do I know you're going to come to my team and not hurt the development of some of the younger players while going for your own contracts, which I I would totally understand. Yeah, no, it's going to be a concern, and that's why I think he might just kind of drag out a little bit, which is a shame because this is a guy who's a very good player and can score, and certainly, given everything he's gone through, too, feels like he just kind of deserves this, but... Again, that's free agency. So the last guy we're going to talk about, we've got to touch on him kind of quickly here, is going to be Trevor Ariza. This is where we kind of learn how valuable three-point shooting wings are in the NBA. You know, he, he has the role on the Houston Rockets. If they try and reach 15 to $20 million a year, do you pay that kind of money for Trevor Ariza, particularly at his age, maybe? If I'm Houston, yes. I Look, I'm, I'm Houston. I look at how close we got to the finals last year and you just have to try to run it back. I know you're going to pick up got Ryan Anderson's contract. Maybe if they're lucky, they can move that maybe, but um, I think you have to, I know that they've said they're going to be aggressive to try and get LeBron James. I don't know how that's even possible, but I'm assuming they're just going to try to run it back that that's not going to happen. And you need, if you're, if you're Houston, you need Trevor Ariza on that team and you just got to suck it up and pay whatever it takes to, to get that team back together and maybe make a run and beat Golden State next season. Yeah. You know, this is a guy who seems rather key for them. So obviously they want to retain him, but do you think there's going to be a market for say a guy who's going to be 33 next year? He's been in the league, you know, uh, 14 years at this point, which is kind of mind blowing to me when you really think about that. But this is a guy three and D wings are really needed. He's got good size at six, eight. We all know what he's capable of. He, you know, for a team that feels they're on the cusp and needs a wing, do you make a trade to free up more money to try and sign him and all of these different things? And it, feels like you shouldn't do that for Trevor Ariza, but the need for wings in the NBA is very, very real because the lack of very good ones is out there. So it seems like maybe he's going to end up getting kind of a a big payday and we're going to all look at this and be like, really for this guy? Yeah. uh, Look, uh, but the question is who, who would pay him? Who's on the cusp and who will pay him? Who on the cusp will pay him? Philly. I mean, Philly need, first of all, needs to see if they're going to get, 
uh, one of you know LeBron or Paul George. Uh, if they don't, maybe they look at Ariza as a Paul George light, a guy that's just a three and D kind of player. I could see Philly making a run at him and ha- see him making his money and saying, it's easier for me to get to the finals in the East. I'm just going to go do that. I could see that. Uh, but that probably would take longer than he likes. If Houston is, if Houston sweeps, swoops in right away and says 15 million, if you want it, you got it. It's yours. Two years, 30 million. You got it. Uh, maybe that, Philly doesn't get a chance to to take a crack at him. Maybe Indy with their cap space, they've got plenty of cap space. That, maybe that was they the team feel I was like thinking of there that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, maybe they go and they try to add like a combination of Favors and Ariza, and maybe that group they think can be good enough when you pair him when you get Oladipo coming back and playing at his level. That that could be a, a potential landing spot. But I, I just feel like Houston needs to bring him back so much that they will just pay him. Yeah, and and they have the money to be able to do so, and I don't think they're too concerned over the luxury tax. I will say, keep an eye on maybe the Lakers in him, too. He is kind of a fan favorite out in L.A., and if they get one big-name player and want to kind of fill out the roster a little bit more, maybe they overpay on there, hoping that they kind of have some good faith with Laker fans on that name as him as a player compared to maybe some other guys. And speaking of the Lakers... We have Magic Johnson coming out today, basically giving him a two-year timeline to be their good GM and to make things happen, saying you can't just judge this team this year. You've got to do it next after next offseason, too, and saying if he can't do this here, he's going to leave because he's not good at this. And we've kind of heard this all before with the Lakers front office. We won't spend too much time on this, but does that make you feel good about the Lakers in free agency or a little bit more concerned? Um, Well... I, neither necessarily. I, I maybe I, I skew a little bit more towards concerned uh, because I think Magic believes in Magic a whole lot, whole and he feels lot. like, <laughs> yeah, um, and he feels like he may feel like that being Magic is enough to get some of these guys to come to the Lakers, and and maybe maybe it is because he is a very dynamic personality and he is a charming. And it, it's hard. It's almost like when you are with um, uh, Pat Riley in Miami. It's hard to be in that room and say no. But the guys that he's trying to woo are also big time guys. And LeBron and Paul George. And who knows? Maybe maybe Paul George falls for the mystique and, and buys into it. He's I can get it. Uh, LeBron not necessarily going to go for that mystique. So we'll see. I, I would just be cautious of. Magic, do you are you relying on being Magic? Can can Irvin get the job done, or are you just banking too much on Magic being the guy that just draws people in and and wins them over with the charm? Also, if he doesn't win him over with the charm in free agency, it seems like the Lakers are almost pissing off a number of teams around the league. With um, Palinka the other day saying, "Yeah, that teams don't want to work <laughs> with us because we have sixteen banners." And that's not going to make people want to trade guys to you. And when Magic goes, well, you see how many NBA finals I've been in, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to want to work with you when you come in like that. So, again, maybe there's some concern, but this is their time to shine. And
and we have seen teams in the past refuse to basically trade guys there. So, of course, they'll probably have much more on this over at Locked On Lakers and this Locked On NBA podcast. So that's going to do it. Some intriguing names for you guys in free agency. Maybe DeMarcus Cousins a little bit more intriguing now after the trade between the Wizards and Clippers, which we broke down for you. So as always on Wednesday... I'm the host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales, at Reds Army John on Twitter, co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the rest of the week.